and it ex accelerates the growing process yeah. by a, in percentage times. I would say this has got to be three times the size. Hi, you're listening to Plants and Me, the podcast that is all about plants, gardening, and the people who are passionate about them, with your host, Alan Lodge. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, depending when you're you're listening to it. This week, as we mentioned last week, we've had our delivery of cuttings in from Israel and the plants are growing away really, really nicely and all of the nursery is really getting up to speed, getting ready for the spring season. So we thought we'd bring you a little bit more information about that and it's really, really interesting how it's done and I think you're going to really get a lot from it and it gives you a great insight into how our nursery works. So you'll hear myself on the podcast, you'll hear my dad who you heard last week and you're also going to hear Anthony. Anthony's new and joined the team this week um, and he went around the nursery asking us a few questions and really getting to grips with how we we start growing everything and how we do what we do and have done for the, for the last 60, 70 years. Um, so I really think you're going to enjoy this one. So without further ado, let's start the podcast. Last week on the podcast, we mentioned that we had roughly 15,000 plants coming in from Israel, and we thought we'd give you a look at just what that 15,000 looks like once they arrive and they're laid out, and we'd give you some idea of what goes on in the background before they ever get to the stage where they're available to buy online. So here we are in one of the main greenhouses. And what can you tell me, what have we got here? So here we have a, a range of cuttings. These ones are times. We do quite a range of different times. They come uh, from Israel in, come from Israel in polythene bags, packed up, many in the box and in the polystyrene box. Cuttings are literally that sort of size, they vary in size. These are probably an average. Sometimes they get nice and small, so they're really fiddly. And we're then pricking them out into the plug trays. And that has to be done for every single individually for every one of the 15,000? Yes, yes, individually, everyone for 15,000. Also has to be done realistically within the day they arrive. So we, so we can't really keep them for any length of time, they need to go straight in. So quite a demanding process. Yes, very demanding. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're going into a tray for us, like this, in most cases, for the herbs, uh, which is 104s. So, so 104 in, in number. Right, okay. Yeah. And to give you an idea, you can see behind the individual sections of each of the trays. So each of these plants will root into one of these, and then for when we sell or when we pot up into pots, we can just poke them out, and you'll end up with a little plant we've rooted. Okay. And how long do they spend at this stage before they're ready for... So from here, they'll go into, uh, you can see this polishing, polishing area here. <clears throat> so they're going into, laid in here. The polythene over is to keep the humidity up. And underneath the, each bench, you can see there's tinfoil to spread the heat, but there is heated pipes, so they're all hot water heated benching. Okay. okay. So they're going in here, and in terms of length of time you were talking about, 
it varies slightly on the variety, but as a good guide, you're talking about probably in here to two to three weeks, and then we start hardening them off and take them out of the polythene, and they'll be ready for sale probably in about five to six weeks. Okay, so if we walk down here, can you give us some idea of what different varieties we've got? And So down the bottom here, we've got a lot of the times. These tend to... We try and keep the varieties and the different species in, in as one section if we possibly can. It's not always practical, but same as when you're growing at home, you have a lot of plants that need certain atmospheres. So we try and keep them separate, and mainly so we'll from a watering point of view. Lemon thyme yeah. and... Some... So here we've got sparkling bright thyme, which was one uh, we introduced at, at Chelsea last year. A really, really bright thyme. We've got lemon thyme. We've got common thyme, still probably the best one to, to cook with. Then there's variegated versions, there's different scented thymes. Um, so yeah, nice big array of thymes, Foxley. You can see there with this really beautiful sort of white variegation on the edge of the leaf. And even at such a small stage, you can see how that variegation is quite, quite striking. And that carries through obviously right the way. Yeah. It's a feature of the, um, of the plant. particular variety. Yeah. And as we move up, you move into having slightly different varieties of things. There's, um, there's some stevia there, the sweet leaf, natural oh, sweetener. Right, okay. That's that's got quite a, a large leaf to it, um, but that that grows really really well from from cuttings. It does go really well from cuttings, and and I still don't get over the fact that when people taste the leaf, they just cannot believe mm. the plant tastes that sweet. Yeah, really is like eating a spoonful of sugar. Bizarre. Almost sweeter, actually. Yeah, it is. yeah almost <laughs> yeah, sweeter. Yeah. Is that evident just from the um, just from the leaf? It's yeah. amazing. Just, you just have a little yeah. tiny bit of leaf, and it hits you straight away. Mm. It's uh, and if, if anyone's trying to do it at home, it's for a bit of leaf, you'll get the sweetness. Uh, there's basically no calories to it. When you start cooking with it and using it like that, it's very try a lot of trial and error. And yeah. I wouldn't say I've got that right. Bit at of an exact science. Exactly. Um, I'm sure there's people. I mean. Plenty of people who can cook better than me, but yeah, I think it it's worth playing with. But in a cup of tea, something like that, I don't have sugar in tea, so it's hard for me to judge. But a cup of tea and stuff like that, people have found it a bit better. And it looks like we've got some sages. Yeah, various different sages. There was a variegated one we've just gone past, just over there towards the back, yep. the golden one. Uh, then we've got uh, the purple leaf one, which did, you can see by this leaf that it's much darker. That's the more of its color. When it comes in very young and soft like this, it tends to look much greener. But as it grows, and certainly in this country, we'll end up with much more of this darker, darker yeah, purple yeah. colour. I think it's worth you actually making, because it, we've, we've formed prey to saying things that you just say naturally in horticulture. So soft, you said it's yeah, quite yeah. soft. <laughs> I know what you mean, but what do you mean by soft? I, I think the easiest way I could describe it is if you imagine a plant that, that is growing through the summer, it's growing very fast. It, 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 it's, uh, it appears has very lots of real young growth. And then put the same plant that will coat through the winter, where it's colder, not so much growth. The growth tends to get a bit harder. Uh, and that's what we mean about soft. Mm. Um, and certainly for us, for the cuttings, we like them very soft. Within reason, the softer they are, the better they root. In this particular group of plants, because yeah. when you're talking about plants, some, and this is one propagation of 
things that aren't herbs, you know, yes. a lot more than I do. Yeah, I mean, you get into hardwood cuttings and all sorts of things mm. where they're cuttings of trees, etc. And the interesting thing with herbs, soft and hard is, is quite an interesting thing because certain herbs, if you talk about cooking, the majority of our plants will be used in cooking at some point. Certain herbs, I think, are much, much better soft. Your mints um, and your, your basil, not that you really get particularly hard basil, but stuff like that, much, much better to use soft. Hard, things like rosemaries, I think have got so much more flavour when they're older, they're yeah. a bit hardier. Um, so it's an interesting thing. It doesn't suit every, but from a cutting point of view, soft is what we're looking for. Uh, I think rosemary is a good example. This rosemary, this rosemary here, here mm. which we've got here, is come because it's come from hot climate. It's been produced in a hot climate. It's a much softer plant as if it was our summer, <clears throat> which is the whole reason why we tend to get them from a hot climate because we can't do it yeah. ourselves. Uh, the root, not bad. We're, we're pleased how they root. If we have. If we kept a stock plant ourselves outside, very cold and hard, we'd much have much more problems rooting it. And all varieties of rosemary have the white variegation around the down the side of the leaves. Uh, they vary. They don't all. Um, they vary. They vary. Some of them. And the other thing about the rosemary is we've got several varieties now. Where some will be flat to the ground, some will be halfway between upright, okay. and some will be very upright. Hmm. So we're moving up, we've got some chamomile. This one's lawn chamomile, uh, chamomile trinique, which is something we get asked for in seed over and over again. It doesn't flower. There's no such thing as lawn chamomile seed. You can find seed packets with it on, but I guarantee it's not it's the not. true lawn chamomile. Roman chamomile is one that you'll see in seed packets, but lawn chamomile, you don't want it to flower because you where you want it to be a lawn. Yeah. It's always been a puzzle to me, that one, is that clearly it must have been some sort of sport originally because how do you get a new plant with no seed? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, then you get on to basils. You missed my favourite. Oh, tarragon. Got French tarragon there. And that's French tarragon. So again, I believe, right, so 100% all the time it's from from cuttings? Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the other one, which is Russian tarragon, is from seed. Um, and then we've got basils. Uh, if we had better climate, basils would be our best seller. I could put a lot of money on yeah. it. Um, now these are interesting basils. So this one here is Magic Mountain uh, purple, and we've got Magic Mountain white somewhere. I think that's at the back there. Um, Red Bull. Red Bull. These are cutting raised basils, and the reason we do that is they are so much stronger than a lot of the seed rays we've tried. Yeah, yeah. We do it for two reasons. One is a business point of view. I can ship something out, put it in the post, it's sturdier and it gets there, yeah. but actually it's better from the customer point of view long-term as well, just because something that's sturdier is gonna be stronger for the customer. They're gonna be able to pick more off it without too much of a problem. Probably at the shows we get asked about keeping yeah. basils yeah. more than yeah. more than anything. and. Basils can be tricky to keep. Any are better. Thai basil? <coughs> the, the red balls are similar type to Thai basil. So more any Thai seedy. basil comes from mm. seed, so we we tend we haven't got that now. Um, but but red ball is a similar flavour, the closest in terms of the cutting ones. Mm. Yeah. And what about uh, sort of Mediterranean basil with the the more? Um... So sweet basil. Yeah, yeah. Sweet basil is one that 
the Magic Mountain White is is getting close to, and we've got other varieties that are getting close to. We do grow the seed raised one, but we tend to grow it more through the summer. Yeah. Um, and round about May would be the earliest. Yeah. Depends what the weather does, but May is going to be a pretty much the earliest we start growing that as a variety. We, we could grow the sweet now, hmm. uh, but the problem is we could grow it fine, but then we've got to ship it and have it in a condition that the person that is buying it yep. can easily grow it on. And it's not, unless you get into the summer, it's not very easy to ship and then have them find it easy to grow on. So they'll sit under the um, plastic for, what, four to six weeks, at, and then they'll be planted into uh, larger pots ready for... Some will go straight out like this. As they are. So as they are, obviously grown and starting to push out. Uh, some will go into pots. Uh, some things, like the mints, will probably come out in 10 days to a fortnight. The tarragon you talk about is about the sort of the three to four weeks that you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, so some will be potted up. Probably the, the bulk of them will be sold in this format. How hands-on is growing them at this stage? I mean, what's... What input does it require from I mean, how much of it is automated in terms of irrigation and feeding? And In terms of watering at this stage, they get a good watering at the beginning. They'll then be covered up, like we yep. talked about. And ideally, we won't water them again for a week or so until they've started rooting. I don't like putting too much water in at that stage because you can also then start rotting. Yep. And it, once you have this environment, that's fine if it goes well. If you make a mistake and it starts rotting, it will go... Right the way down. Like mm. lightning. Yeah. yeah. And it goes through quickly. So the idea is that we give it a good watering now and we don't water again. The, there's enough food in the soil to get them going at the beginning because we don't want too much food. Uh, and then we won't start feeding until you get nearer the month when they're out of here and start to grow away. Right. So at this stage, there's not much. The, the more manual work comes on a bit later again. The main manual work at this stage is actually just literally putting all water in. And it's checking as well on a date. So now they're in there, it, they'll be checked every single day. Yeah, they will. Yeah. Um, sometimes if we get particularly warm weather, which is unlikely, we're near last week in January, but if we did get particularly warm weather, then we'd have to check it more regularly. And, and when we're doing this sort of thing, although there'll be our own cuttings in the summer, when we do this through the summer, you have to check very regularly yeah, um, yeah. because you end up with, it's amazing how quickly they can dry out. It, it's almost scary. You can look at something in the morning and I guarantee it always happen when we're at a show, it'll be particularly hot or when one of us is on holiday, <laughs> when there's <laughs> there's more more stuff to do just because there's less people around that we're, we tend to find it will get really, really hot and then you have to check them very, very regularly. And it's the same with people at home, but if you can imagine in a in this small amount of soil, yeah. there's it's... less leeway. Yeah, and certainly if you think back to last summer where we had some very hot days, yeah. Yeah. then you have to be watering twice a day. Yeah. 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 So it's pretty dependent on the, um, the, the, yeah. the climate, microclimate, yeah. is it? Yeah. The whole of this business is based on <clears> climate. Uh, the whole of it from how much people want to, to grow. There's, there, there'll be people, very keen gardeners at the moment will be looking online. I'm looking online at new varieties of chilies and stuff like that. Then there's the bulk of gardeners in, the, in this country who haven't stepped foot in their garden since probably, I, 
I don't know, October, September, something like that, and probably won't do till February, March. Um, and yeah, you'll find that they're thinking of their plants much more in, in that time of year. And on the side, these are more house plants. Mm. These are just a few bits we've, we've taken over winter, uh, potentially for some cutting material mm. for ourselves. And we always trial lots of new things. Um, we always want to see how much heat something's going to need, how much care something's going to need before we actually put it into yeah. production and say to people, yeah, you can you can buy this from us. And, well, the, and then there's the old plant that we just like for our own cooking, Cafe Alone. Yeah. <laughs> so just have the use of the glass house to look after one plant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you mentioned just now chilies, which obviously a, a big seller. Yeah. Um, probably leads nicely on to go and look at some of the chilies that you've yeah. just had in. Let's cover these up and go and see the chilies. So over here then we've got some chilies here we have um and you might wonder how we get up there ah <laughs> simple as that so here we have some chilies uh again these at this stage we're keeping covered uh we open them up just purely to check the water in here so what we've got here is the result of the sowings. Um, as I've said on the podcast before, we, we take our chilies all the way through. So from the fruit, uh, which come from the plants that we sowed, we take the seed out of the fruit, we dry it, we clean it, um, and then we sow it. Uh, these were sown just before Christmas, this particular batch. And you've got the result of around about 100, 110 different varieties, not all of which will necessarily be here. Um, all go into these little cell trays. That's that's all done by machine. That's done by by dad. Yep. And yeah, we're growing them on. So they're six, seven weeks old. Yes, about that now. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you can see from the different varieties how some of them naturally much shorter, others will be slightly taller. Uh, this one here is one that I've not been as fully happy with the germination. So I've left them in a high heat area with not much light for a bit longer. So you've got the leggier ones here to try and get some of these smaller right. ones to germinate through and to try and even it out a bit. Uh, whereas what I, my first choice is a variety like that, where it's a nice even box all the way across. So I can see obviously these are some jalapenos. What are some of the other varieties that we've got here? So you've got Peruvian purple here, which is a very a deep purple leaved variety has has purple fruit as well which eventually ripens to red yeah you've got purple tiger which is another really nice one with the variegated leaves uh you've got um my alarm for picking up my granddaughter going off <laughs> <laughs> purple tiger is a great seller at the rhs shows um really really good um and very very popular at chelsea hampton court and if you're going to those shows, I guarantee you wouldn't be able to resist that. You can't see the variegation at this stage. And then you've got some like this, which are part of our soup hots. This one's a bunch of locker, so part of the ghost chilies. This one's a yep. chocolate coloured one. Um, Maruga red. Ridges. <laughs> that's really hot. Sorry, you point that out because we both jumped on that one because that's very, very hot. That so, Scoville range, that one's going to be. That, it's an interesting thing. It really does depend how you grow it massively. I think you can take, you could never take a chili like that and make it really, really mild, but you can make it down to your habanero heats. If you grow it really, really well, one and a half million maybe. 
So when you say it depends how you grow it, how does that affect the Scoville rating on and how hot or not? It depends how technical you want to get with it, but the long and short of it for, for someone who's doing it at home is you stress the plant. There's been there's some fantastic videos you'll find online with people shouting at the plants. I've got no idea whether that works. In fact, I'd, I'd, I'd lean towards that doesn't work. But the easiest way to stress it is, is restrict it for water for a period of time. Um, and you might choose just to do it on Fridays and say, I'm going to let it really, really dry out. And chilies are something, when you think about where they come from. They're quite hardy. Yeah. They're coming from areas generally, naturally, that is quite... Uh, quite restrictive of water at certain yeah, they're times. they're quite arid. and Exactly. Um, and then your Scovilles go up um, and they get hotter. It, that definitely, definitely works. There's other ways of doing it as well that uh, perhaps you're putting at more risk for the plant. But for the general person, desrestricting the water is going to be the way to do right. it and do it from time to time. And actually, if that's not hot enough for you, either haven't got many taste buds left... <laughs> Or you could just add a few more chilies in, in my view. Um, it's interesting. We're going through quite an interesting thing in this country with chilies. When we first started doing it 15 years ago, yep. Yep. the hot ones were so much of a novelty that everybody wanted them. That's all they wanted. Yep. To the detriment of taste, to a certain degree. Not This isn't everyone, obviously, but in general. These days, people are much more, we talked about it before we, we started recording this, much more towards the middle of the road yep. where they want the flavour, they want the taste. Um, and when we played around with breeding, our, yep. our dream of the chilli we could breed, we haven't done it, but our dream of, of the one to breed would be something that's got your maybe Carolina Reaper or your Maruga flavour, yep. but with virtually no heat. I yep. don't even know that's yep. possible. But that's what we'd like to do and we think would be best for people because loads of people can't handle the heat. But Like the flavour. Yeah, exactly. You do get some really nice sauces from the super hot ones. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's one of the attractions for people that are doing mm. sauces. The super hot do make nice sauces. Mm. Yeah. 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 I always work on the basis in terms of getting the different heats is that if you're mean to them and make them suffer, they'll be meaner to you when they make, you. Yeah. So they'll get their own back. <laughs> <laughs> And then we go down, we look at some more varieties. Joey Parker, which was a variety. So because we collect our own seed and because we we want to do the whole process ourselves for, for quality control, etc., um, sometimes we lose varieties um, where we didn't get particularly good germination or we, we have an accident or something like that. Um, and Joey Parker was one we've just had to get back again. We were only just building up the stock again. One of my, uh, if actually, if we get a good batch of this, because I have to think about what we can sell to people and what we can show, but if we get a good batch, that'll be the one I'll eat most of the summer. Uh, just in the background, as an aside, this is one of the plants from last year that we've cut back uh, and we'll potentially grow it on either to get some fruit early or potentially to see if it makes a display plant we can use at one of the shows. Okay. Mm. And... Over here, we've got some more of the house plants. We... Yes, yeah, we've got some of the house plants here, and these um, these are something. If you go far enough back, you did a lot of house plants. Yes, they yeah. went out of favour. So when when did you do a lot? Oh, good question. Probably looking at about 20, 25 years ago now. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
And I remember you going to Holland when yeah, we I was used growing to, up. We used to buy and big, do a lot of big plants, big uh, various ones. Uh, but we got the idea, and certainly I think it's fairly evident that house plants are becoming a bit more popular again. And cacti, big sellers. Again, becoming yeah. more popular. Definitely. Um, and, and yes. Yeah. And uh, these were, these are something that was sold well for us over the winter. Um, and we're just building up the ranges we want to do and how we want to approach it. Um, the same as every small family business does it, sort of look at what's happening, what we're going to grow. And nurseries change a vast amount. But it's the interesting thing, and maybe it's true for every industry, because I obviously only know more about horticulture. Mm -hmm everything seems to come around in circles. And when, if I'd mentioned houseplants probably 10 years ago, you would have said, no one grows them. No. Uh, it's always been a big part in, in Europe. They've always done a lot of houseplants, but it fell completely out of favor. One of the successes of um, Instagram, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd be stuck back in the 70s with cheese plants and yeah. uh, spider plants. <laughs> yeah. and Exactly. Yeah. Um, and there's some spider plants over there. And yeah, I noticed, cheese I noticed those. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I noticed we've got another greenhouse. This is this is what we call number two. <laughs> they're, they're fairly managed, imaginatively named. named. <laughs> so this is number two. It goes to three all the way to number 10, 12, etc. Okay. Um, so this is our, our big, big boiler, um, and this can heat the whole of the nursery, and does heat the whole, whole of the nursery. We've been doing maintenance on it this morning. Um, Noisy, when it runs at full chat? Pretty much, yeah. You certainly wouldn't want to be recording when it's it running, which is why it's been turned off. Um, so yeah, and we've just put a new pump in. There's always maintenance to do on it, um, but it's been a really, really reliable yeah. boiler. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is um, yeah can heat the whole of the nursery with with no issues at all. These days we don't tend to heat the whole of the nursery, partly to do with the crops, partly to do with the price of heating, and obviously wanting to reduce carbon footprint as well. So we we try and restrict the amount we heat as Jeez. much as we can. Okay, and what have we got here? Uh, and that's the part where we restrict heat. We we've, we've got we basically this is a um, a, a cold store stroke freezing unit. And we've exchanged it into a, what we call our germinating room. Repurposed. Yeah, repurposed. So we just use the the insulation that it has naturally. And of course, we can't go in and show you completely because the camera will steam up and yep. you won't see a thing. <laughs> so high humidity. Very high humidity. Heat um, and lots of light. Yeah. So, mm. so the heat varies. What we have in here at the moment is some chili plugs. Uh, we've just about finished this particular batch of chilies for germinating. While we were germinating, we were we had a temperature of about 28, 29 degrees uh, centigrade. Uh, I'm gradually dropping it down now. Their plugs to probably near the 24, 25, uh, and that's partly because also within the next week or so we'll start doing a lot of seed production for other herbs, and they don't want to be quite so hot when we're germinating. Right. Uh, and in here we have, so these ones are in, I'll lift one out to make it slightly easier to see it. So this, this actually is the plugs we were looking at slightly earlier in the smaller plants in the other glass house. These were sown exactly the same time. Wow, that's the, that's the and difference. And this is the difference. Yeah. And this is because we've had them in the temperature, but also because we've had the lights that you can see in there. Uh, so we're extending the day. So, so even through the winter, 
they've got very high heat, fairly high humidity where they like. Long days. But long days. Mm. But we extend it backwards. And it ex accelerates the growing process yeah. by a, in percentage terms. I would say this has got to be three times the size. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to tell. So once a, a chili, the ones we saw in the other greenhouse have their seed leaf on. These have their true leaf on. And once they do that, they always look bulkier. Yeah. Um, but I'd say at least three times. Uh, and in, this is the first one. But in, in the other house where we have the plugs, I wouldn't dare pull it out and see it's got roots on like that. Yeah. The other ones, if I pull it out, it will just the soil will fall away. Yeah. Um, For yeah. the extending of the the daytime, we do backwards. Yes. So we extend the night. Yeah. As daytime. Yes. And then during the. Yeah. Yeah. There's no technical reason other than it's cheaper. Yeah. Uh, plus, you use up slightly less electricity, etc. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've turned lights on now, so we can take pictures of you don't know. But effectively, yes, it's just... They'll go off again and then they come on again. We'll, we'll turn yeah. them out. Actually, the light's starting to go now. So they're probably at the moment set on, from memory, I can't remember when I last set it, but they're set on to come on around four o'clock in the afternoon and they'll stay on till about uh, 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. Yeah. Fascinating. Good stuff. Thank you for joining us on the Plants and Me podcast. We'll be back soon. If you can't get enough of all things plant-related, pop over to plants-uk.co.uk. And if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.